0: The interesting thing about experience is that you can't lose experience. Yeah. As soon as you get it, you have it forever. It's not like money where you can lose it.
1: Welcome to the You Better podcast. Just two guys helping you better you. The quote of the week is, If I had six hours to chop down a tree, I would spend the first four hours sharpening the axe. By Benjamin Franklin. And now, here are your hosts, Gael Robin.
0: All right. Welcome to our first episode. This voice belongs to Gael.
1: And this voice belongs to Robin.
0: <laughs> <laughs> all right. So uh, welcome to You Better podcast. As mentioned before, uh, this is a podcast uh, devoted to helping everyone, including ourselves, of course, on personal development in all aspects. We're going to try to start every episode with a quote, that way we have a theme to work with, framework for our discussion, and uh, we'll go ahead and get started. So Robin, what what do you think that quote, or what does that quote mean to you?
1: When I think about that quote, I think it really emphasizes, the, I guess, the idea of preparation, especially since, like, at least for me, I have a kitchen background, mm-hmm. so I really understand that as a chef, if you've ever used a dough knife, that's the worst thing ever, because <laughs> you can't cut anything, so... I appreciate the, I guess the emphasis on, you know, spending four hours sharpening, because then you think about like what he's saying here, you have six hours to chop down a tree. You spend four hours sharpening it. And then at that point, your, your axe or blade would be so sharp that you probably cut it down in less than two hours. Yeah. So I definitely think this could apply. I mean, honestly, it applies to any aspect, especially just in terms of, well, I think in business, you know, if you want to be successful, you need to have a plan.
0: Why do you think so many people avoid planning, though? All right? Because obviously it's it's a memorable quote for a reason, because some people do just pick up the axe and just start swinging because they want, oh, okay, I got to get some results. Yeah. Why do you think that's such a big issue?
1: I guess it, it kind of goes, at least to me, I feel like it goes into a, a deeper thought of like instant gratification versus delayed. You know, it's, I, I think maybe maybe as humans are like inclined to like just immediately want something, whereas history has proven itself that those who wait tend to be more successful or those prepared to be more successful.
0: I think sometimes too overconfidence yeah, can be a, a big role. Think, oh, you know, we got this, maybe, maybe we, we did chop down a tree before and it worked out well for us. <laughs> <And> like, <laughs> oh, okay, I got this one too. And so we don't, we don't put as much time in preparation. And obviously, like you said, this is kind of broad. It can apply to, to anything, but yeah, one of the things that I was thinking of, when you prepare, the preparation phase, I think, can actually affect your goals. Um, I, I think you can learn more out of the preparation phase um, than you may expect or, or the planning phase than you can expect. And, and sometimes perhaps you're sharpening the axe and you're like, you know what? I don't think it's worth it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. Now, what would you say come after that? So the quote is about setting yourself up for success. And and I think that's the mindset that we should have. Do whatever we need to, to make it, to set the path for success. What do you think comes after that?
1: You need to know how to swing or how to, like where to hit. Because for example, if you gave me an ax, <laughs> I'm probably going to mess up. I probably wouldn't even think of sharpening it, but I definitely think that you need to know how to properly use the tools that you have. When I first, so...
0: This is actually one of my favorite quotes, but I've only, I think I heard it like two years ago. So it's fairly recent. I think the reason it struck me is because it makes sense, but it's not a reflex for most people, mm-hmm. right? Uh, we we kind of talked about this already, but we may think that we're saving time by not being as thorough as we may need to be. Or uh, we may feel like if if we're not, if we don't take care of this now, we may something may happen we may never take care of it yeah but but that's not the case but what do you do to prepare for anything it like what what what's your what are the steps that you think of are, are you thinking of the end goal or are you thinking of the process itself what are you thinking of
1: i know for myself i definitely think of the end goal like a big picture but i know that you have to focus on the the little details because those those little details add up i I can imagine, you know, like along with sharpening the axe, maybe practicing the swinging technique. One of the things I thought of
0: <laughs> is, I think this is relatively rare, but I think it's important to set up a feedback system. So before this goes, especially like in business, you plan for something. I think it's important that there's some type of feedback so that as the work is being done, you have a way of knowing not not just the progress of it all, but how well things are going or how bad things are going before you finish a product. That way you still have time to adjust. Right. So, you know, if you're building a house and you have an issue with one plywood, I don't know, but, but before you get to the point where that's crucial to moving forward, you can take care of that. Right. Before it, it affects the whole, the whole project.
1: Yeah. You end up losing before you end up losing, you no know, valuable resources, time, money. Yeah.
0: You know, I, I did photography for many years. And one of the things that I always did for myself is having lessons learned so after every shoot by the time i got home i had a lessons learned you know what went wrong usually something went maybe not like catastrophically wrong but something went against something went in a way that i had preferred it not to go i would always have the lessons learned because that was the only way i could get because being a photographer a lot of times I'm working by myself so mm-hmm. most kinds be oh thank you so much you did a great job but that doesn't tell you anything yeah there's nothing you can take home with that and so I will always do a lessons learned. I'll give you, I'll give you a quick example. I did one couple, and I remember I was really nervous for them because uh, it was last minute. Everyone else I kind of knew before, mm-hmm. like they were like friends, and I had at least knew them before. So, th- but this was someone I didn't know at all. We start the shoot, and I'll say this, and I think every photographer will agree: the first ten minutes of every shoot is usually just throwaway shots. You you just getting used to the couple communicating with them they're getting used to being in front of camera which for some people you know it's quite difficult but you know we finally got into a rhythm so i thought you know we're we're going through it i hit a point where about 20 minutes i was like man this is really working out and you know it's going well Mm -hmm. Uh, i go home i edit the shots a
1: couple weeks later i turn them in wow Usually, turning your pictures a couple weeks later i have friends waiting for pictures three months (laughs) (laughs) it's been three months This was
0: a, uh, engagement. It wasn't like a wedding. Like I, I definitely take longer on my weddings, but I actually, the reason I, I went so fast on this one is because the wedding was coming up. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to hurry up, show them the, the images and, and show them how well I did. And, you know, I'll get the job. Yeah. But, so I'm editing the photos and I'm like, man, you know, this, this isn't my best work, but it's all right. It's all right. I, I gave myself a B, mm-hmm. you know, so now usually when I turn in my, you know, turn in, turning the photos, usually I get a quick text, you know, thank you so much. This is great. You know, and I got a text saying, wow, thank you so much. These look great. But it was a different, like I was used to more exclamation points. Right. So, <laughs> I'm, <laughs> so I, that's understandable. I'm really, yeah, like I, I'm really a perfectionist. And I think anybody in the artistic field, like anyone that's artistic kind of has that, I won't say has we all we always wonder that do do everyone see what we see right yeah so i said um you know yeah uh, let me know if there's anything else you want me to do so i kind of inquired and i asked sure enough she said uh yeah i have a question um do do you have any more pictures now i think i had promised like 10 pictures but i delivered like 25 so when she asked do you have more pictures yeah i'm like uh oh Is there a specific one that you're asking for, you know, from the shoot? So, and she said, yeah, you know, and, and just to make a long story short, you know, I, I sent her more photos and I could sense that she wasn't that thrilled about it. And I got down to the bottom because I, I kept asking, not in, a, in an annoying way, but mm-hmm. I kept asking, as like, I want to make sure that my client is happy.
1: Yeah. And
0: yeah. And so I ended up editing like another, another 40 mm-hmm. after what I get. And, and that took me a minute. It finally hit me. I had been so focused on the photography itself, the technical aspects, the, Mm. the artistic aspect of it, that I forgot about the most basic thing. And that's human emotion. Yeah. And in a lot of the photos, because I was looking for it now, they didn't have the best expressions. They weren't looking longingly in each other's eyes. I mean, there were some of those, but but the vast majority of them were pretty gray. Were pretty. I learned a valuable lesson, and and I don't regret. I love the fact that I had that experience. Mm-hmm. It taught me
1: something that you need to be a relationship therapist and a photographer.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, well, what it taught me was because one of the reasons I gave myself would be was because the pictures themselves were we're okay, Mm -hmm. but the client doesn't care about their reflection of this.
1: The technical aspect.
0: Yeah. Mm -hmm. They're looking for, they want their love, their affection Mm -hmm. to come through the pictures. And so ever, ever since then, That affected every other shoot I did. Obviously, as a photographer, you still have to make sure that technically it's right. But I focus more on their interactions. So and that shoot, I just told them to to be comfortable, to talk, some broad stuff. But now I try to really, I have one of them express how they felt the first time they met or something like that. Mm -hmm. Then that comes across more. But all that to say, the lessons learned, without that, I would have made the same mistake. So yeah, so I, I think it's important to have that feedback. What's the craziest thing you've done to prepare for, if
1: it could be anything? I know you do a lot of public speaking
0: and do you get nervous for those?
1: Yeah, <laughs> it was one when I was giving and I, this is how I learned not to procrastinate, but that's a whole nother conversation. I wrote it in a week, oh. a week before, even though I had like close to six months <laughs> of preparation time. But so that's probably the craziest thing I've done, but in terms of outside of that, like cooking wise, I try to be like super like hyper focused on that and cover every single detail. It's honestly in the kitchen, is impossible because there's so many like factors or variables that you can't control, especially like if I'm cooking in someone's home, there are just certain things I can't control, whether it may be, well, one thing I learned, so I was cooking for a family on their vacation and they had like a vacation house and whatnot. But I love, like any chef will tell you, cooking on gas is amazing cooking on electric oh my goodness like it can take 10 minutes for water to boil on gas and maybe 20 minutes on an electric stove especially if it's not like a high quality electric stove like what we have now i made the mistake of not preparing for certain things like that and not or not having certain equipment so trying to make, like for example trying to make a cake without a stand mixer or any mixer at all, Mm. and by hand, Mm. and trying to cream, like, butter and sugar together by hand is horrible. (laughs) It's a workout. That's my experience in, you know, paying attention to details and, well, uh, the lessons I learned in not paying attention to details and being prepared.
0: You know, I asked you, what's the craziest things you've done to get ready for, you know, anything? Uh, I came across a, now, I had to triple check this, because I thought I had to be made up. Mm-hmm. Um, do you know who Carly Simon is? Carly Simon, she's a famous singer, mm-hmm. right? And she dealt with terrible stage fright.
1: A professional singer has stage fright.
0: Well, I mean, a lot of them do. It's just you know, some. We've been public speaking for what? I, I've been doing it since I was twelve. What? What about you? Now, maybe since like sixteen. Sixteen. Yeah. yeah. So we're like, wait, like decade or more of public speaking it has gotten better but like you plateau of getting better like mm-hmm. like <laughs> you know, it, it's definitely easier than the first time but now i still get a little little nervous a little bit of a cat mouth yeah definitely know, definitely that yeah so so i do know and and that's why some <clears throat> some drink, you know a little bit of alcohol just to kind of get a nice flow and some, some do other things. The reason I'm bringing her up is because to get ready for her parts. Now, I don't know if she did this on every occasion, but she would have the band spank her. Like I said, I triple checked this (laughs) (laughs) because I was actually reading, It was I was reading a book about the keys of preparation. And Mm -hmm. this was one of the examples that they gave. Obviously it's a unique, unique thing, but she, what I got out of it though, is she did what she needed to do to get her through it So I Based on The sources that I read So apparently The pain She used the pain To distract her From from the stage five. Because what happened before Is she would lose consciousness
1: wow. That's how bad it was Yeah Wow but, Yeah I know um, Shaka Khan Would get drunk On her live performances Shaka Khan? Yeah Who was that? She sings through the wire I think I know who that is I'd play it But I don't like Copyright infringement
0: <laughs> <laughs> I I think I know Who that is I don't know if, it, if I'm thinking of the, the same person. So I actually read something for magazine said that the main factor in determining whether a business will make it is customer demand for their product or service. Yeah. Quite simply, if no one's willing to use your product, you'll fill. And that sounds obvious, yeah. right? If no <laughs> one's buying what you're selling, then you're not going to stay this. That's pretty obvious. But the interesting thing it mentions is that this usually happens because of a hole in their intensive research. Mm-hmm. So obviously, if you develop a product, before you make 100,000 of them, you're going to show them to a few people and see how they feel about it, right? See if there's a market for it, you know, see if there's any liabilities, see if, you know, anybody gets hurt. Yeah. <laughs> but you, you, you typically do that and then you scale that up, right? You go from a couple of people to maybe 10, 15 people, you go up. But there's something that, you know, keep in mind, like, I forgot what the percentage is, but the great majority of startups run out of business in the first year and then another big percent it's, in the first be, three years. Yeah,
1: it's between like 40 and it's, I think it's higher in the first year. So it's like 60% in the first year and then like 30% within three years or 40%. Yeah.
0: I, I thought it was even, even higher than that, but that goes to show you then. So if, could we say then that most businesses fail, not necessarily because of implementation issues or you know whatever but because didn't plan yeah lack of preparation lack of lack of knowledge honestly well
1: knowledge is part of preparation so yeah
0: well so so i kind of made a list in preparation of this
1: conversation
0: so we've been talking about planning and and planning is establishing what our goal is our end goal Mm -hmm. so let's say our end goal is we want to I don't know. We want to build a house. That That's the goal. We want to have a house in this city and that, that's our goal. So once that's your goal, the very next step is collecting. You have to know what steps to take to reach that goal. And the reason I use house as an example is most of us don't know, ex- like all the steps that go into a house. Mm-hmm. Like we know some permits are involved, you know, but, but like you don't know the details, mm-hmm. right? So how do you get those details? You got to ask somebody, mm-hmm. right? And so that's why most companies do market research. You got you to gotta figure out what is needed or you go to somebody else that built the house. What did you do? Then when you get all that together, then you collect the resources. So if you need, I don't know, 1.2 million to build a house, you're not going to start building a house when you have $20,000. <laughs> so collecting resources is, tells you if you're going to make it. And I think a lot of companies, so if companies clear that planning, I think a company, a lot of companies fail with the allocation of resources. Mm-hmm. And it may come across in many aspects, but once in a while, like you'll see a, a heavy CGI movie and everything looks nice and crisp. And you'll see like a couple of random scenes where the CGI looks terrible. <laughs> you know i follow a lot of people that that are in the industry and i said it, it's almost always not because of a technical issue but it's always because of, they're running out of time right so they
1: sacrifice the quality
0: yeah yeah cuz cuz stuff like that needs to render like i remember when transformers 1 came out it took like 200 hours to render one frame wow frame <laughs> you know of, of a scene so so that, that so that's a big thing so collecting resources and making sure that you have everything in place anything else you think that that would, uh, in this phase, like, as far as uh, collecting uh, resources.
1: It kind of goes back to what you said. I, I picked this up from when you were speaking about your own experiences as a photographer. How, I guess you can say it's like almost like a self-awareness and, and looking back on your work and saying like, oh, okay, well, this is a B. But in this case for a house, knowing like, okay, we have $100,000. Every week we're spending $10,000, but this is how much progress we have left.
0: So the third step I kind of thought about was having a model for example. So at, you know you plan you plan what you're going to do, then you collect all the research you you, you need. If you're starting a podcast, uh, looking at well, what are the podcasts that I, I listen to? Why do I enjoy listening to them? Is it because of the personality? Is it because of the structure? Is it because of the information? or the value that that I get out of it. Once you get that, you can always use that as as a mold. Now of course you're not copying anybody, but you use that as a reference, as a reference point of, of where you are. And and of course, you know, you can't always compare every every single thing when something's been established. Like, you know, if if you were to start in, like like Tesla, right? You can't start your own car manufacturing company and and start comparing yourself to Tesla in every aspect because that's just not going to be productive. But you can use them as a metric of they are where they are because of this, Mm -hmm. right? They don't budge on this and this is why they're successful. So then use that as framework for for where you are. One of the things I realized when I was kind of stuck down is things can change with every step. Right, you can start planning with a goal in mind, and and then you really think about it's like you know what I, I think I need a different goal uh, or I need a different way to get it. You can collect all your resources and realize, man, this is going to be way more intense than anticipated. <laughs> then you can look at a model and say, man, how long is it going to take for us starting with this much to get to, to where Tesla's at? Would it be better in, instead of competing at Tesla? Would it be better if we perfect manufacturing? just metal, so just some part that they need, even though they, they manufacture most of theirs. But as an example, Like, would it be better for us, instead of competing against giants, would it be better if we gain a resource that they need and then we know their foundation's strong and then we can just latch on to that? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's kind of like someone starting, like Amazon, despite what people, Amazon is definitely a monopoly. You agree or disagree? You said it's not a monopoly? I think it is you you can you can, <laughs> you, can you can explain yes, why
1: yes 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 and no i don't think amazon is a monopoly i i honestly think they just i find amazon to be like just a pioneer of a new era in technology and convenience to the consumer because amazon didn't get rid of blockbuster or not, but is it? Was it Blockbuster? No. Well, um, oh, that's Net, uh, Netflix. Yes, yeah, Netflix. Um, what's that? What was that company back in the day? Barnes and Noble. Oh yeah, you are talking about uh, uh,
0: border? Like, not border, but yeah, I think I know what you mean.
1: Yeah, like whatever company that was. <laughs> like all those little companies, they they just like if you listen to uh, Jeff Bezos talking about Amazon, his mission has always been: I want to provide a better experience to consumer, and in any business, that's. The ultimate goal. When you put when you put the customer first and providing them quality service, you become successful. If other companies don't follow that or try to do better, so I <laughs> I say that because I love Amazon. So I'm I'm fighting this. <laughs> I, I I love Amazon. I'll start with that as well. Give us a brand new Amazon. <laughs> so that so, after what I'm going to say. I, I, I <laughs> <laughs>
0: And again, I love Amazon. Like I get a package almost every day. Like I, I do. But but here's the issue, though. What's a monopoly? A monopoly is essentially, and I'm not saying this is the whole definition of it, but the reason why monopolies are bad is because it prevents. And you have such a big hold on the market that what you say becomes law. Like there's no one else that can compete with you. To a point where you can second guess your decisions, right? The reason I, I kind of view them as a monopoly is because if you are an, an author, you are enslaved to Amazon. Like I saw a documentary on this a few uh, few months ago. And it's crazy. Depending on where you are, like you can't sell anything. You're looking at it from the, of uh, you're going on there to buy something. Mm-hmm. But other people... That are creating goods are having increasingly hard uh, hard time using anybody else. But even with Amazon, Amazon puts restrictions on them. There's mm-hmm. a famous author I can't think of her name right now. I was trying to stall to that thing of her name, but I couldn't. She she went from bestseller to nothing, like nothing, and all because they decided that the topic of her book didn't need to be. Amazon did that. Amazon, yeah. Because oh, wow. I mean, that's why like Facebook is. And, and Google were getting trouble with with the the election and stuff like that, because the question is, if they control their ads, yeah, but their ads only show one party, there's a bias, there's a there's automatically a bias. Yeah. So, yeah, like who's going to challenge them? Like they have such a hold that what, what are you going to do? You're right. <laughs> like, like if you, like, could you start your own Amazon right now? now, this no, is, now I, I, like, I,
1: I wouldn't even attempt just actually. Okay. Yeah. You're yeah, right. I wouldn't <laughs> even attempt just because of how yeah. Amazon's reach is insane. Yeah.
0: Like at least like, at least Apple has
1: Android. Yeah. Like, like they Amazon have- has eBay. If you guys can see the video version of this, the face he's giving me.
0: But yeah, I mean that, that's why I don't know if it fits under the exact definition of a monopoly, but
1: yeah, in a legal status, no, no, but yeah, but I that. Et- ethically, yes.
0: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> getting getting back to gathering data, so we've established that data is an important part of planning and moving on through the process. Uh, another thing that I read was. Instead of, so you come up with a product and you show it to 15 people Mm -hmm. and you ask them, you know, you ask them various questions to figure out if this would be something that they would buy. And that would kind of give you an idea of if you have something that you can market. But a tip that was suggested is instead of trying to sell it to them, tell them what it does and see what holes they had. Like, well, try to figure out what holes or like what issue. That the product has, and the point is, if they still would buy it after that conversation, because typically, I mean, any like a good salesman can sell anything—water to a whale. So if, if you can if you can spend the majority of the time talking about what it's lacking, and they still want to buy it, now mm-hmm. you know you're onto something. So yeah. even though they've established, and and that goes with anything. Like you know, we, we were joking before we started recording about our Apple phones. It has many issues. That it has many issues with every update. It has issues. But to me, I've determined that the positives outweigh the issues. Plus, I'm stuck in them. I have too much Apple products. <laughs>
1: <laughs> they lock you in. They that's a real. Mo- that's a real monopoly.
0: So yeah. So I thought that was interesting, focusing on the negative and see if people are still interested. And that means that you have a product. So I, I wanted to discuss the the plan, which is the the purpose. Finding out what, what the purpose is, the outcome, and angle. The collection phase, which is um, laying out the foundation of what you need, uh, setting yourself up for success Mm -hmm. and nurturing would be creating an environment conducive to the end goal In evaluation. By that time you have enough information and because of the nurturing phase, you have a little bit of experience. Now you can determine what trials you may face. And what can you do to limit those things? And then of course, the last thing is execute. That sounds obvious, but there comes a point where we have enough data to continue
1: no that's a really important thing that you're saying about execution i think especially as someone who can relate on our level of like we all have a especially in the art field mm-hmm. many of us have a degree of perfectionism mm-hmm. and that can that can stall us from uh, executing. i know it does for me especially
0: yeah i'm the same way i talked about a podcast ever since i mean i, I it gotta be like eight years <laughs> oh yeah, wow. yeah, and you know, one thing I learned fairly recently—it's it you started, yeah, like
1: three years ago. Yeah, no, <laughs> no, that's a whole nother conversation. Yeah,
0: <laughs> but but one one of the things I learned is you know you you hold out because you want it to be perfect. Yeah, but sometimes the information that you need doesn't come until you start learn as you go. Yeah, just like we're doing right now. We could plan this for years, but this is experience. The interesting thing about experience is that you can't lose experience. Yeah. As soon as you get it, you have it forever. It's not like money where you can lose it. Once you get experience, aside from a uh, memory loss illness, <laughs> once you get experience, you always have it. And it can help you in any other, it can, it can really help you uh, in, in any aspect of your life. And I, I, I mean, to me, I think that's the part of, you ever, you ever met somebody, uh, I say you can meet two people that are 18 years old and one of them acts immature. They act like they're in middle school,
1: right? Mm-hmm.
0: Hopefully, we don't have any middle school listeners.
1: No, we said what we said.
0: And then you have another eighteen-year-old that is mature. Like I, I know one that start that started a business,
1: mm-hmm.
0: right? They, they took, they lost how many pounds did lose? I think we're thinking of the same person. Hopefully, we are. Oh
1: okay. Oh, he, um, he lost at least fifty. I want to say like sixty pounds, oh, at least. But, but I'll say fifty. Yeah, I, I, it, it was a big, huge, crazy number. Yeah,
0: it was enough where if I lost it, I think I would die. Like I don't think I could; my body could lose that much weight. Yeah, <laughs> that's how much. Weight. So yeah, so you, you have you have um, but but the difference is they're the same age, but the mm-hmm. difference is the experience that they have. So one of the things that I've learned is, and this may be a longer topic for next time. But one of the things that I learned is there's no such thing as failure because failure is what helps you succeed. Like, I guess I'll say the only team, the only time it's failure is when you don't do anything with it. Mm -hmm. Uh, There's a book that I came across. This is uh, Every every CEO Has Been Fired. I didn't think of it that way before. But yeah, it's like every, like, I can't think of any, like. So many of the
1: most successful people have been fired, like Oprah.
0: Yeah. So what does that mean? Teach you, you know, don't go, don't go get fired for, it, you know, no reason. But, but it, it goes to it goes to show you that um, failure can breed can breed success. So one last thing, one of the things I saw too is um, the importance of consistency.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You know, th- there's a study done on on uh, actually a meta analysis done on athletes. That had rhythms for certain activities. So, for example, a basketball player shooting a free throw. Those that had an actual rhythm before shooting the free throw had a higher uh, inc- had a higher percentage than those that didn't. And 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 if you didn't and you created one, it improved. So the point that was brought out was creating a process that would allow you to have consistency. Um, that way, it becomes second nature to you and it becomes easier uh, to do
1: alright alright guys well thanks for listening next week we're going to be talking about how you can benefit from fear of failure it's going to be a really nice discussion that we're going to have
0: alright and uh, it's been two guys up you better you